Hi everyone and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg and I'm your host. Today I will talk to Henning Mersch from Beckhoff about designing machines supporting OPC UA companion specifications. Henning will share his experience dealing with OPC UA companion specifications and he will propose how persons with different roles may interact each in their own way while working with companion specifications. Hello, Henning. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Thanks for invitation, especially. Henning, please introduce yourself to our listeners, also your employer, Beckhoff, and tell us about your and also Beckhoff's involvement to date with OPC technology and the OPC Foundation. Well, okay, let's start with Beckhoff as a company. I think most of you should be aware of it. We are uh, producing IPCs, IO, EtherCAD devices. We are the founder of EtherCAD and we started with the OPC Foundation quite a while ago. So 98 was our first product release back then with Stefan Hoppe as a product manager in the Twinkats team. So Twinkat is the software department and that's also my role. So I'm a product manager in the Twinkat department of Beckhoff and therefore was hired. Uh, it's about nearly a decade. So nine years back, mm -hmm. Stefan um, hired me or recommended to hire me in Beckhoff. And then I started there. I started with parts of the connectivity products we have and then took over the role of, of Stefan when he was elected as a president of the uh, OPC Foundation. So I took over other parts like the C++ integration we have and so on. For OPC UA for integration, I'm not the, the product manager, so I'm not the responsible product manager of it. Nevertheless, I'm, I'm part of the team. Sven Goldstein is leading this team and we are making a great process, I think, in, in various UA topics which are emerging currently. Very good. Thank you. Uh, interesting also to hear uh, about uh, Stefan, so the president of the OPC Foundation, former activity, which I understand you kind of took over from him. So, Henning, today we'll be talking about designing machines supporting OPC UA companion specifications. I understand that you've been dealing with OPC UA quite a lot. What experience can you share with our listeners dealing with OPC UA as part of the process designing machines? I think currently two emerging technologies within the, the world of OPC UA, we could say, uh, which are of relevance for machine builders and for designing machines. The first one is for sure the working group with the FLCs designing or writing the uh, field exchange, the FX technology, where we are talking about controller-controller um, communication between different machines or parts of a machine. And the other one is emerging technology for me are the companion specifications. The companion specifications are data modeling, we could say. And I think that should be our topic for today, right? That's right. And, and also AVEX, we talked about in a podcast edition with uh, Alyssa Malkowski and, and Georg Bieler, that was from Siemens and also uh, Clark Case from Rockford, just for those listeners. Uh, interested in that topic. So also 
we have, of course, talked about OPC UA companion specifications in, in a number of podcasts. Still, for today, can you please shortly summarize what for you an OPC UA companion specification means? Mm, yes, of course. I think that's very likely and we should define what we are understanding on that because otherwise um, I might use terms which are not commonly known uh, in the next minutes. Right. So a companion spec for me is something which is written by by working group of a specific domain. So some domain experts are sitting together and modeling their data using OPC UA modeling technologies. And they, at the end, they are writing They're writing two things. The first one is that they're writing a node set file, which is a XML-based file having the, let's say, something like, like the syntax of the domain. So they're describing the data they would like to represent within the companion specification, but there's no semantics inside this node set. So what we need additionally is something like a document describing the semantics for, for human beings, for understanding actually what the model data is meant to be used. So in on which conditions something should be used and uh, how something should react within the companion specifications. In the end, we have machines. We are building machines and these machines should comply to this Companion specification, the node set file, and additionally also the semantics, so the PDF or Word file or whatever it is. So everything which is written by the working group should be later on implemented in machines for providing compliant regarding these companion specification uh, machines. Okay, very good. Thanks for clarifying the um, the central role of semantics within the um, companion specification. So what experience can you share with our listeners designing machines and dealing with such OPC UA companion specifications? The first point is that in, in the real world, so we have a lot of working groups currently working on companion specification, especially from the VDMA in Germany. We are writing these companion specifications for a huge range of domains. And the machine builders in the end, for them, it's a new topic. Currently, if I'm looking at machines really running right now, most of them still are using simply data exchanges in terms of their reading and writing values. They have maybe implemented something like a method calls that might be the, the principle of a SOA PLC or a service-oriented architecture PLC like Stefan Sven and I promoted or described a couple of years ago. But besides that, uh, companion specifications are hard or a tough topic for a machine builder. A machine builder, for example, for uh, something like, a I don't know, maybe a woodworking machine or so, they are understanding the, the physics. They understand how to build a machine, but they are not experts. Not, not all of them are experts for modeling data and for implementing such uh, companion specifications. For sure, there are, there are lighthouse projects like, like we have seen in the OPC Day International, where we had, I think it was uh, half a million or so data points, which were 
modeled and sent to the cloud. So there are large companies with a lot of experts, but not all of the domain experts are persisted in all companies. So we need to provide some tooling and provide the capabilities for all of these machine builders within the domain to really implement such a companion spec. Otherwise, the companion specs will not be successful, right? They will simply not be applied to different machines and then all the work is, is for lost. We provide need to provide an easy way for implementing compliant machines. Very good. The uh, the Lighthouse uh, project that you refer to, we had it in our podcast series as well. It was mm -hmm. from Equinor, if I pronounced that correctly, I believe. And uh, so, sure, you, you say, you know, implementing, dealing with companion specifications is not for each and all machine builder easy. So what does that mean? Can you, you know, maybe suggest how to deal with that situation, you know, depending on the kind of, let's say, experience and, and role the different people bring to the table? Okay, let's start. I think we have three main roles. We have UA experts, which are experts of data modeling, but they are not aware of all the different domains we are talking about. Then we have domain experts. These are the guys sitting in the working groups, writing the companion specification. They have knowledge about the domain. They have knowledge about UA. But in the end, working groups are, let's say, about maybe maybe 20 people or so, maybe 10 people, maybe 30 people, something about that. It's not that all companies are really participating in this working group and then could directly understand the complete companion specification. So there are, in the as a third role, there are machine builders who are not aware of all details of a companion specification, but they are required or they are... The market is requesting that also these machines are compliant or are deliverable with a compliant companion specification. Um, so the machine builder is not aware of details of UA. We have UA experts, we have domain experts, and we have machine builders. Yeah, I, I was just thinking, I did this podcast just two weeks before this one. It was the other way around. When I talked about data science, artificial intelligence, I'm not going to go into the detail, but it's exactly the same topics. If you bring you know, a data scientist from outside the company that can be a person who knows about machines, maybe not, and then that person has to learn. And then from inside, you have the, the domain experts. So, yeah, I understand. I believe our listeners understand what it is that you're trying to convey here. So what do you suggest? How to deal with that situation? From my point of view, we see that the UA experts, they are, for, for now, they are mainly providing us SDKs. They are providing us with general tooling for designing companion specifications, so like like modeling, doing the actual data modeling, not on an XML level, but doing it on a, on a graphical way and so on. Then I see that the domain experts, so the ones who are able to understand or even have worked within the working group for a, for a companion specification, they should be able to provide something like a library, because I think within a controller, within a PLC, which for example, is providing 
these devices need to be enabled for companion specifications in the end. And there is a concept with these PLC libraries, and we should make use of this concept for a library for companion specifications for enabling and for for hiding some of the general approaches of a companion specifications. So in the end, a machine builder could make use of a general library, a library for a specific companion specification. I'm using that as a machine builder and I'm not dealing with all the details of a companion spec. For sure, I need to, to understand the general concept. I need to understand what parts of a companion specs are existing, which parts I'm right to, to implement right now and which maybe later and so on. But I believe that parts of the companion spec, the very detailed low-level stuff, could maybe integrate it in a library and then be hidden from the machine builder because this machine builder is he's more interested in the physics and getting the machine to run and mm -hmm. to produce something and not dig into the details which at the end might end up that he would, would need to be a UA expert, right? Mm -hmm. Because he then would need to understand everything. So something like a library should abstract over the companion specification, especially the node set file and maybe also parts of the semantics or the PDF. Very good. I, I think I see what you're getting at. Tell us more. What we think about is that we most of the code which might be 611.31 code, so PLC code in, in one of the different languages, need to be, on the one hand, represent something from the, from the companion spec, so the different types which are defined in the companion specs. On the other hand, this code needs to be respect, let's say, the firmware of the controller. So it needs to provide the firmware information about how to map the real-time data to the OPC UA interface. And for that, I think a code generation would make perfectly sense. And in two, on two levels, I believe. On the first hand, the firmware should be able to, to generate code or the engineering tool should be able to generate code for the firmware on, uh, in terms of the library. So we should be able to generate from the node set file a library, which of course has only the syntax in it because the semantics comes from the PDF, but the syntax could completely be generated. Then the, the domain expert could understand or have already understood the companion specification and program something within the library. Everything which is not bound directly to the running machine could already be implemented within the library. This library then is universal, right? It's bound to maybe the firmware of Beckhoff, okay, but it is independent of the machine builder. So somebody, some domain expert could sell this generated but programmed library mm -hmm. to different companies. The machine builder could then use this library and we could have another code generator. This other code generator would then make use of this library and program the different states, the state machine, and so on for a machine. And the machine builder just needs to, let's say, bind the real data from the existing and maybe 20-year-old PLC program to the actual instances of the function blocks from this specific library 
for providing a OPC UA compliant or a companion spec compliant uh, machine to the outer world. That's a uh, it's a very interesting view, and as I just refer to the topic I deal with on a daily basis, more the data science AI. That's where also, and that's very interesting to to make this link. I believe is producing and selling models of you know in this case machines mm -hmm. is a very hot topic. So just to clarify for me for the listeners, you are talking server implementation here. Is that right? Yes, we should right now focus on the server side or on the one who is providing the information. Um, if I'm talking about, for example, PubSub, so publisher subscriber communication, which is also one of the newer uh, principles of OPC UA, mm -hmm. then also maybe the publisher should be uh, taken into account. The client side or the subscriber side, so the one who is actually consuming the received data, It's a bit more complex, I believe, because whenever a companion spec states that something is optional, then the receiver, a general generated receiver, either built on, on top of a library or a code generated or whatever, he needs to be aware of this is optional and I need to deal with the fact that maybe this data in the specific communication is not available. And that makes the receiver or the client side even harder to generate or to implement. So I see that, well, to be open, normally a machine is providing a server or is exposing a server to the outer world. And then something on the MES or SCADA level is accessing this server as a client. And then the MES system is a complete other world. And we don't have PLCs in that world for generating code. So there must be something else to generate the client or the receiver side. So you, you refer to, you know, the freedom if a provider of information has the, the freedom, the receiver of the information needs to deal with it. So that freedom is actually quite a challenge, right? Yes, that is a challenge. And sometimes for, for some companion specifications, I believe that When writing companion specifications, we should put ourselves into the role of a consumer mm -hmm. and we should make not everything just optional for making it easier to the, to the receiver side would be, or for the client side, it would be good to really put ourselves on that role and see, okay, what do I see in the server at the minimum? side and is everything in the on the optional side really an option or should we just make it also that the server needs to provide it but in the end all that goes out to is that we need to have conformance tests right mm. so the ctt which is currently enhanced for um for example for plc open for for mdis related companion specification Or even homebrew tools. So companion spec sometimes say, okay, I need to have some small C sharp client, which is testing something on the UA server. I think all these testing tools, these compliance testing tools are getting more and more attention currently for really providing machine builders, maybe also domain experts, the capability to really check and to have a good feeling in the end when they're delivering their machines, right? They need to have the feeling, okay, I have a compliant machine 
And whatever is talking with this machine, the client will have a challenge to talk to it due to the different variations there, yes. But in the end, I'm, I'm sure that I'm providing a compliant machine. Yes, we have talked about compliance uh, test tools, CTT for short, in the past for those listeners that you know maybe want to go back. Mm-hmm. So where then, in addition to the OPC Foundation website, and, and I'll share some details later, so where can listeners get additional information on today's topic? For this workflow with the code generation and for splitting up the companion spec implementation, to this library approach and this uh, machine builder binding approach. We wrote a paper together with the WTH Aachen. So this is the group of Professor Kleinert. And we wrote a paper that is published in the ATP. That is a German magazine. So das ist eher nur für die deutschen Zuhörer jetzt gerade leider. But of course, all listeners are very welcome to contact me or Beckhoff directly and we could talk and see how to advance in this workflow approach. And what you were saying there in German, just for the non-German listeners, was that the paper is available in German only. But today with, uh, you know, with translation software freely available, I think even for the people not capable of the German language, as we are addressing a global community here, they should be rather easily able to, um, to do the translation. And further details we'll, we'll share again later on. So we're getting to the end here. Is there any activity, any development uh, you've experienced lately? Any final thought you would like to share with our listeners, Henning? Um, yes, maybe. So we, we already had this consumer or client approach, which is for me one of the hot topics for the next years for providing or for, for discussing how to generate them regarding the companion specifications. Currently, very important work is done by the harmonization groups from my point of view, so which are headed by by Wolfgang Mahnke on the one level on the VDMA side and also on the OPC Foundation side, because then from that point of view, we have this working group really trying to gather uh, or to collect the properties of a companion spec, which are unique to, which are not unique to one uh, companion spec. And also this, so we are not double define the same data in different companion specs. Also, this could lead, for coming back to the topic, to different libraries in a PLC, which represent these harmonization documents and then abstract over that. So this is one another big topic. Also very good from the OPC Foundation is a public repository for increasing the availability of the different node sets of the companion specifications. And from the community, maybe it would be good if we're talking not only about different domains and their companion specifications, but also the way of how to really get that to the real world. So not putting only the book into, into the library, how Stefan called OPC Ways, the World Library of Automation, but also really reading the book and understanding and applying that book to the machines that would be One of my things I'm really thinking a lot about in the last month and will most probably do in the next month. So we are really, well, not writing only paper, but getting it really to the real world. 
Sounds great. And that's why we have you today here uh, <laughs> to share exactly those thoughts that you have with our listeners. Thank you also for underlying, again, the importance of the harmonization between the, the different companion specifications. We talked about it in one of the, uh, the former podcasts. So, Henning, thanks a lot for sharing your personal perspective as we just at the end again heard on you know, designing machines supporting OPC UA companion specifications. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. We'll also put the paper that Henning just mentioned uh, in our podcast notes. If you have a proposal for topics or maybe you're interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups or become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put also these website URLs and the mail address in the podcast notes. Yeah, in future editions, I'll be doing interviews with guests from Ascentix and others, and we'll finish the year with an interview with Stefan Hoppe, the person we just referred to and who preceded actually Henning's job at Beckhoff, as we learned at the very beginning. And he will be giving us a 2021 review and outlook for 2022 as far as OPC UA and the OPC Foundation is concerned. It was great to have you with us today. If you liked what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news, and looking forward to have you with us again. And Henning, thank you very much for having been my guest today. Thank you for being here.